How fashion and luxury will evolve in the face of disruption brought on by the pandemic, new technologies, and environmental and social concerns is a question top of mind for the industry. What will fashion look like in two, three, or 10 years' time? To answer it, we're spending 30 minutes each week with industry innovators leading the way through a changing landscape. I'm Hilary Milnes, and this is The Future of Fashion, The Innovators by Vogue Business. This podcast is sponsored by PayPal, the most trusted buy now, pay later brand, according to a recent survey, which gives merchants access to PayPal's 377 million users worldwide. Learn more at paypal.com slash paylaterenterprise. Hello and welcome to this episode of The Future of Fashion, The Innovators by Vogue Business. I'm your host, Hilary Milnes. Resale has had a big year. Customers cleaned out their wardrobes and looked for ways to make extra cash as more embraced thrifting, particularly online. And more fashion brands are looking for ways to get involved in resale directly, many for the first time. At the center of the resale boom are the platforms connecting customers' closets. Here today to discuss the future of online reselling is Tracy Sun, the co-founder of Poshmark. Thanks, Tracy, for joining us. You're welcome. Glad to be here. So how has the past year changed Poshmark's positioning? Um, It's been a pretty big year in addition to going public um, in January. Is that right? That's right. More people, you know, were looking for resale platforms and and ways to, to make more money online. So how did Poshmark capitalize on that? When we think about what we've been building at Poshmark, there are um, three trends that have really been shaping commerce, and we are at the leader of those trends. And what's happened is those trends have really shaped how we shop for some time now, but really accelerated in the last year. Um, and those trends are the shift to online, the shift to secondhand, and then lastly, the shift to social. And so I'll go through each one because I, I, I think it's really important to, to really think through how we're shopping and how it's changed and what might happen as we reopen. So first is the shift to, to online. This has been happening for many, many years now. The convenience, the selection, the ability to reach people digitally is something that has been shifting more and more. But last year, as stores closed, that just jumped and accelerated. And I don't expect this to change as stores reopen. Once you can see the convenience of shopping online, it's very hard to go back. The second one is the shift to, to secondhand. And again, this, and this, this I know very, it's very near and dear to my heart, you know, being the founder of Poshmark. When we started, secondhand was adopted by just the early adopters. Today, it is the number one choice. Secondhand is the number one choice for many consumers, particularly the younger generation who are looking for more sustainable options, but also for all shoppers who realize that the selection and secondhand is so vast as you can collect all of the seasons of of fashion are all available to you. And so the ability to be creative and express yourself is much greater when you consider secondhand fashion. And then the last one, which is social. You know, when we started Poshmark, we knew that social and commerce had to come together to create a very unique shopping experience. What we've seen in the 11 years that we've been building this business is that people are just getting more social. Commerce is getting more social. What used to be innovation when we started were ability to share photos, to tell the story of your your merchandise or your store. And what's, what's coming now is 
do you have video? Can you bring that story to life? I want to see how it looks. I want to see how you style it. I want to see how you create it. And so being able to connect with one another, just globally, but also in the context of commerce has been happening slowly. And that's another trend that's really accelerated in the last year. Yeah. And just for anyone who's unfamiliar, can you explain the social element of Poshmark? How, how does that work? Sure. So we built Poshmark to um, integrate the benefits and the selection ease of e-commerce and also the way that people naturally want to connect to one another, which we're calling social, together as social commerce from the get-go. So on Poshmark, you are a buyer or a seller and you come and you, you connect with people. You find people with the same style as you, who might inspire you, who maybe are the same size as you. And you start forming a community of people that you can shop from. You can talk to them, ask them questions. Where did you buy this? How do you style this? I'm normally a size eight. This is a size 10. Do you think this might fit me? Um, do you have anything else that is this size? The conversations that we typically have in physical stores, but have been stripped out of e-commerce until Poshmark came and put those conversations back in. And what's really great on, on Poshmark is that you might be having a conversation with you know, your, your community, but everything is for sale. And that backdrop is just an amazing shopping experience, knowing that anything you see on Poshmark is, is available for sale. And so what we see putting those two things together, social and commerce, is just this hyper engagement that as a user, you just feel like you're part of something really vibrant. Our active users open Poshmark seven to nine times every single day, and they're on Poshmark for an average of 27 minutes a day. So it gives you a sense of it's not just a shopping app, it's a way to just learn, inspire, see what's new. Your feed is constantly refreshing. And that's all because of the power of community and social. Right. And it's it's interesting to see how the social element works with um, secondhand in particular, because secondhand has been around in offline uh, stores for forever. So how do you see Poshmark and in general, the shift to bring secondhand online? How do you see that as just changing the nature of this category of retail? Well, I think, you know, secondhand is unique in that every skew is often on its own, you know, as opposed to traditional retail commerce where you have many skews behind or a lot of volume behind the one, you know, blouse or one pair of denim at Poshmark and, and other resale sites, uh, a pair of denim is unique, not just in its uh, properties of the merchandise, but also from the seller. And this is something we experience is that the story you know, me and you might might be selling the same T-shirt, but the way I style it and the story I tell behind it will be very unique uh, and different from how you might call it merchandise um, your item. And so we believe that social is really imperative to selling resale. Um, and what we're seeing now is just a, a more global adoption of resale as as brands are now saying, how do I participate in this economy? And I, I think that's a very good question to ask as more and more consumers are participating in resale to see what, what is the future of resale. Yeah. And can you talk more about the brand involvement? Um, what historically has it looked like for Poshmark, um, especially because the nature of Poshmark's model, it connects buyers and sellers directly rather than other online resellers where 
they collect the inventory and then sell it out. What has the brand involvement looked like and how has that changed in the past year? So just to, to recap what you said, we are unique in that we don't we don't carry an inventory. We spend a large part of our resources understanding what buyers and sellers want to see and then matching them and connecting them to give them the best possible experience. In terms of what we're building our product for or who we're building our product for, our goal is to build a platform that will enable all sellers to thrive. And from the get-go, that meant resellers, that meant people who sell brand new items. So uh, we have many boutiques on Poshmark that are selling new items as well as resale items. And today we have thousands and thousands of brands on Poshmark already that have found us organically. Now, what we haven't announced yet is any formal program for, for brands, but we are having conversations. We are hearing from brands uh, questions like, what do I do when my stores are shut? And we see that uh, Poshmark's online engagement continues to remain very high. That 27-minute uh, a day number has been there since we launched the company in 2011. Um, how do I participate in the conversation? I have many brands have more followers on Poshmark than they do um, on their Instagram site. And so, you know, today we have a pretty closed system, um, but the conversations are, are quite interesting is what, what does the world look like a year from now? And I imagine from your perspective, you can see, you know, a lot of customer data and just in that level of engagement, just seeing what types of brands and products people are interested in. How do you see the ways that customer behavior has changed? Um, what's the read on, on the current consumer um, from Poshmark's perspective, especially now a year out from, you know, the start of the pandemic and also over the years? How, how has that consumer changed? We do have a lot of data. It's often... Uh, almost real time as we can see. We have such a vast catalog, so many brands, so many different styles, and we're most in the U.S. And in the U.S., we're in 98% of zip codes. So just by taking a look at what people are looking for, what they're searching for, we can often uh, we often have our finger on the pulse of what's on the minds of consumers. And what we saw with the beginning of the pandemic is a pretty drastic shift, as you might imagine away from the, the designer heels, away from wedding dresses and, and more formal dresses, which, which are always popular categories on Poshmark, we saw an increase of adoption in our home goods category, which we had launched just a year prior, um, in jewelry and in makeup and, and, and uh, beauty and wellness products. So all of that makes sense given just what was going on in our lives. And what we're seeing now, which... I find so heartening is trends that show us that people are ready to get out there again. We're seeing a big jump in crop tops, in jean shorts, in rompers and jumpsuits, just things that are still quite casual, but indicate that I'm, I'm ready to get out of my house. Mm -hmm. I'm ready to, to see my friends and family again. And so we're, we're seeing that in our, our merchandise trends as well. Yeah. And from a product perspective, how did Poshmark respond to the changes that, that you were seeing um, over the course of the pandemic? Uh, you mentioned video and, and features that enhanced the selling as people were spending more time on their phones, in the house. What changed from, from the business side? And do you see those changes lasting as even as people start to resume normalcy? 
That's a great question. So there's some things that that we change, and there's some things that remained exactly the same. Um, so because we don't carry any inventory, our platform can move quite quickly to adapt to changes. So what I spoke about before, where uh, merchandise interest shifted from more you know outdoor type merchandise to more, oh my gosh, I'm inside, I'm locked inside. Um, I want to buy stuff on my coffee table, or I want to I want to buy a mask to just kind of do a, a wellness day. Um, we didn't have to do anything on Poshmark because we don't carry inventory. So we were able to shift quite quickly to support our sellers who they're the ones who were faced with, you know, the, this shift in, in interest for consumers. So as we have added these categories, we're able to quickly respond to the shifts caused by the pandemic and support our sellers to say, hey, trends are moving this way. We shared this data with them and said, home goods, if you have it, list it, uh, because that's what people are really searching for. So we were able to move very quickly to support our sellers through sharing the data and sharing these trends with them. Uh, Similarly, uh, one category that we didn't have, but we were able to launch earlier this year is the launch of our pets category. I did not know this, but pet adoption is at an all-time high. Uh, we were lonely last year, and pets, particularly dogs, were were animals that just brought our, a smile to our face in a time when when things were not looking so great. So, um, you know, with the launch of pets, you know, Poshmark is no longer for the two-legged; it's also for the four-legged family member, and that you know got adopted pretty quickly as. It's like shopping for your kid. You can also shop for pets. So those are the things that they change, but they didn't really change because our our platform can move quickly. Some of the things that did change that we'll continue to invest in are increasingly using more and more technology to help people connect. What we saw last year is just an intense desire to use platforms like Poshmark to stay connected with people. And we've always believed that that social is important for commerce. But what we saw last year is that Poshmark was important just to to keep your your connections to others alive. And it was more it transcended shopping. And so as we launched our video product, there is there was an intense adoption of this feature. I think not just for buying and selling, but more for. Uh, in addition to that, also to connect with one another and see each other's faces and, and that we'll continue to make that investment in the future. It's really interesting to see just how much that adoption um, and technology has, has normalized over the past year. And as Poshmark has looked for ways to bring this community together, it's also a really competitive time for, for online resale. And how do you see Poshmark as being differentiated from other platforms? How do you draw sellers in as well as buyers? Because I, I imagine that you have to balance both sides. And what does that differentiation look like? At Poshmark, we are laser focused on serving our seller community and helping them thrive, either through better matching algorithms to connect these sellers to potential buyers, better tools that they can use to either reach out to their repeat shoppers, offer them promotions, connect with them, market to them, and also bring in more and more shoppers so they can continue to grow. And so we focus on, while we're a marketplace, we focus on uh, helping our sellers thrive and give them the tools to connect to their shoppers. 
And uh, that's something, you know, when you think about that approach, it's really unique among other resale companies to focus on enablement and empowerment of people. And we give tools to people to merchandise. And, you know, when you look at, when I look at Poshmark headquarters, uh, we don't look like an e-commerce company because we don't actually do any merchandising. We don't, we're not selling anything. We are enablers of people. And so that's been our perspective and that's how we built the company. And that's what our competitive advantage is, is because we're focused on people, we are inherently in social commerce. We're focused on uh, how can we connect more and more people to each other? Uh, How do we increase the number of uh, comments or likes or follows that are happening on, on Poshmark? Because we know as people connect, then they naturally transact. And so that, that is our, our differentiation. Where does the growth runway go from here as you are looking to tell people who Poshmark is, um, especially after going public earlier this year, uh, where do you see room for growth and where do you go next? We're growing really fast. And um, before our IPO and, and since our IPO, been a few strategies that we've been employing for some, some time now, and we plan to continue it. So our strategies for long-term growth include continuing to invest in our community of sellers, as, as we always have. Uh, there's a lot more we can do here. Like, like I mentioned, um, we recently launched, uh, well, we've been working for a year on our listing videos, and we, we're recent, we recently launched additional capabilities in this area. The second thing is continuing to add new product categories. Our pets launch was met with such enthusiasm earlier this year uh, because people wanted to to sell these items, but also we brought in a whole bunch of people who said, I didn't even know that I could uh, participate in Poshmark because I'm, I'm more interested in this type of merchandise. So as we grow our product categories, we grow the people who are already in Poshmark and we bring in more, more people who are interested in this social commerce type of selling. International expansion is something we're very excited about as a growth driver. We have launched into Canada and Australia and, uh, and more will come. So that will be another thing that drives growth. And lastly, we have begun an effort to build and offer enterprise seller services for our community. What we're seeing is that over time, our sellers are growing and growing and growing, which is fantastic. But what we're seeing is that some of the tools that we launched the business we, we provided when we launched the business, our sellers are growing past those tools and they need more advanced services and tools like advanced reporting, operations, help, and things like that. And so we have a concerted effort to build out that area of our marketplace as well. I feel like the social platforms um, are also becoming more interested in commerce. We're seeing um, Instagram looking more like a shopping mall. TikTok was really quick to enable e-commerce as these things become more married, how does Poshmark stay ahead of the curve? Do you see this adoption for social platforms on the commerce side as, is it kind of like a rising tide um, situation or do you see that as uh, increased competition? Probably a little bit of both, Hillary. I think it's fantastic. If, if the consumer is experiencing more social commerce, to me, that is a win because we're expanding our universe of how we shop. 
And that is that to me is rising tide. That is, it's good for the consumer. It's good for us. Um, having said that, we have a perspective um, of what social commerce means to us, which is very unique to Poshmark. And that is enabling people, enabling people to sell to one another through social tools. Um, for us, it's deeply integrated. Social is deeply integrated into our marketplace. Every like on Poshmark is uh, an opportunity for a sale. And that's something that we have built from day one and we continue to strengthen the connection between social and commerce. So our investment is 11 years old now and we'll continue to really focus on investing in social commerce in the Poshmark way. There was a recent announcement around a partnership with um, Snapchat. Is that is that right? Is How does that um, fit into the, the growth and um, opportunity for Poshmark to expand outside of its own uh, arena? Yes. So uh, a partnership with, uh, with Snapchat calling Snapchat Mini. And what it does is it enables Snapchat users to access Poshmark without ever leaving Snapchat. They'll be able to attend Posh parties. They'll be able to uh, browse our catalog and able to look at some of the popular trending brands on Poshmark, again, without leaving the Snapchat ecosystem. That is really, really exciting for us. One, because we're the first resale platform that, that's, that Snap will be partnering with. Uh, but also, it is enabling people to reach into the Poshmark ecosystem outside of Poshmark. And that will be one of the first times that we have uh, shared that we're doing this. Our sellers now, it used to be that they could only sell within Poshmark. Now they will be able to be accessed through Snapchat. Snapchat. So it represents for us um, an expansion, the distribution of the Poshmark platform. One thing that we've been watching a lot is is this uh, rise of the creator economy and how much platforms are investing in the people that create content. Um, in Poshmark's case, it's it's about the sellers. Um, how do you see this as furthering, I guess, just the, the platforms that we use to connect? Um, and how does this apply to commerce? Where do you see the, the creator economy, um, so to speak, and especially in Poshmark's case, this support of sellers. Um, how is that going to further Poshmark's opportunity and growth going forward? Right. I think that the, the rise of the creator economy is not so different from uh, all of the Poshmark sellers today. What I see is the sellers that tell a unique story um, are the ones that really attract attention and engagement from others. And that, that to me is just a, a really wonderful aspect of, of social commerce and just, you know, social overall is the, the tools are evolving where anyone now can tell a story. Uh, whatever it is that you're telling, whether you're trying to sell something or do a dance, uh, there's just so much opportunity for people to express themselves. In my opinion, that expression fuels uh, social commerce quite a bit. I'd love a world where we could just shop via this endless stream of, of videos, for example. Um, so I, I look forward to the, these worlds colliding more in the future. Yeah, absolutely. And I want to talk about sustainability as well. I know you mentioned it uh, earlier, but how does Poshmark consider itself? Um, do you think Poshmark is a sustainable company? Yeah, so s sustainability is fundamental and core to who we are and what we do. The way we think about sustainability is in the broadest sense, there's 
three pillars of sustainability. So one is social. The social fabric that we create within the Poshmark community is a way in which we as a as a larger community stick together and support one another. In 2020, we had our community interacted with one another over 30 billion times. And so to us, that's social sustainability. It's it's forwarding human connection as we go forward in this world. The second is economic sustainability. We are fueling a new segment of the economy with social commerce. Collectively, our sellers have delivered over $4 billion in GMV since we launched the company. And that, to me, is something I'm very proud of. It's inventing a new type of seller and then empowering them to be economically sustainable. And so that's the second uh, pillar of sustainability for us. And then the third is environmental. The consumer adoption of, of secondhand and resale has grown astronomically since we launched the business in 2011. And I'm really proud that we have been one of the leaders of that movement. And so being able to offer a shopping alternative, what was an alternative and now is often the mainstream first choice to reduce the environmentally intensive steps that come with creating new product is uh, environmentally sustainable. And so these three aspects of sustainability are, it, it really fuels what we do every day and why we're still waking up every day and, and, and trying so hard to, to grow is to increase our sustainable impact in this way. We're almost out of time, but before I let you go, we talked a bit about the Snapchat partnership, but what else um, does Poshmark have planned for, for the rest of this year? What you can expect to see from us for the rest of this year is we will continue to talk about innovation to help our community of sellers. So you can expect to, to, to hear more about features that we will be launching to, to really help our sellers thrive. Some uh, tools to help some of the newer sellers and some tools to help some of our more established larger sellers as well. We are continuing to work on our international expansion as well as add new new product categories. So stay tuned for more news on that front as well. Thanks so much, Tracy. It's great to have you. Thank you, Hillary. It's great to chat with you. Join us next week for a new episode of The Future of Fashion by Vogue Business. You can find all our shows from this series on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or via the Vogue Business website. For more coverage on the future of fashion, subscribe to the Vogue Business newsletter at voguebusiness.com. My name is Hillary Milnes. That was The Future of Fashion. Thanks for listening. This podcast is sponsored by PayPal, the most trusted buy now, pay later brand, according to a recent survey, which gives merchants access to PayPal's 377 million users worldwide. Learn more at paypal.com slash paylaterenterprise. Thank you.